This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selkie, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. All right, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, and we are in season three entitled Lead to Win. And episode four, I'm very, very excited to introduce you here shortly to our uh, guest, Mr. Justin Most. And before we do so, I just want to say thanks again for being with us and on our journey of leadership here in season three. Again, in season one and two, we really focused on the emphasis of mindset and how that drives performance. And in this season, we're looking at the power of leadership and how we can really tap into that to create systems that are conducive to unlocking and unleashing the human potential in our organizations. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we are bringing on a dear friend of mine and colleague, Mr. Justin Moss. Justin, thanks so much for being with us today. I am jacked. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. So Justin is the founder of Entree Legacy Group, where he's a keynote speaker, a leadership trainer, and a professional EOS implementer. And so Justin is a coach of leaders that are out there leading to win. And Justin has a wealth of personal experience um, as a leader as a former athlete and and a hyper-competitive individual and everything in life, which is one thing I love about you. Um, And again, just tons of background on leading different types of leaders, right? Coaching different types of leaders um, from the locker room to the boardroom, literally um, in the athletic space, in the business space, and most recently, predominantly in the business space. Mm -hmm. And so Justin is going to be able to really help us delve deeper into this whole topic of culture. So again, in our last episode, we talked about vision, mission, values, and goals, and how all of those elements can come together to help us first lead in, right? And then lead out. And so Justin is going to be able to bring to us today even more meat, I think, to that dialogue, which is what really jacks him up in terms Mm -hmm. of being able to deliver some substance to leaders that can help them really gain traction in the direction that they're seeking. So Justin, I'm going to just open this up and ask you to share with us more about what is Entree Legacy Group um, and Mm -hmm. what's its purpose, what's your passion behind it? And then I think from there, it's going to be all out. So Entree Legacy Group is six words kind of define my mission. What I'm going after is I want to develop leaders. I want to inspire teams and and I want to be a part of building legacy. And so when you look at Entree Legacy Group, I love entrepreneurs. I love working with entrepreneurial leadership teams and I don't want to just help them build a company that makes money. I want to be intentional to build entrepreneurial legacies. Legacies is that stuff that it's the dash on the tombstone, right? Mm -hmm. It's all the stuff you did while you had time here on earth. And so that's our legacy. And it's not just about how much did I give monetarily or did I, did I write a big check to some charity? It's more, did I build a culture where my people were able to thrive? 
did I take the resources and the time and the skills that I had and did I started with something small Did I turn it into something really big that impacted so many people more than myself. So Entree Legacy Group, that's what we're committed to. Develop leaders, inspire teams, build legacies. That's awesome. Thanks, Justin. I have so so this is a struggle, I think, sometimes for our listeners. They think, okay, you're either making money or you're helping people. And mm-hmm. there has to be a disconnect. And mm-hmm. it was fascinating. I, I just came from teaching my class at over at Notre Dame in HR management. And we've got an awesome, diverse group of kids, one of which is from Europe and he's worked for IBM for years. And so he asked this question of we were talking about intrinsic motivation and creating jobs and work that matters to people. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I I struggle with understanding, you know, the difference between being out there to to grow the bottom line and to make money. And yet, you know, we're learning here that we craft jobs and build jobs to also bring out the best in people personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. So I loved his inquisitive mind and in trying to, to navigate that boundary. But I think a lot of people struggle with understanding that you can have both. So from your experience and perspectives, how do you help leaders see that this legacy thing is important? Important, and it's not contrary to what we're trying to achieve from a business perspective. Take us there. So uh, a few things, few thoughts hit me. Number one, if you've heard of Simon Sinek, he has that start with why. Mm-hmm. And and so Bob Chapman is one of my heroes. He's a mentor of mine. I had him at my Lead USA event. He's a guy that had had all the numbers, had the academia, he had the education, he had the the CPA accounting degree. He was a manufacturing guy. He took over his dad's company and he ran it like a typical business would drive profit, all of that. But then over the course of 40 years, he started to get this, this inside gut of maybe business was really meant to be more. And we've really sliced it up and cut it up and we've taken the heart out of business. And he wrote a book called Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Family. And this, this guy took an $18 million one product manufacturing firm and over the course of 40 years acquired 95 companies. McKinsey and Harvard did an analysis of, of the way he's leading his teams. And bottom line, they said, we've never seen anything like this in terms of a world-class culture where people feel like they matter and you're winning in business. They said, can we do a study on you? Can we? And they did. He's been all over the world with Simon Sinek, with Harvard, with McKinsey, teaching people, companies, how to have legacy-minded businesses where we're impacting people's lives. That's the whole point. That's awesome. And and that's a fascinating, again, check that book out. He mentioned too there, Start With Why and Everybody Matters. And if you haven't had the chance to read those yet, dive into that. Um, but let's go into your material a little bit mm-hmm. here, Justin. I think the work that you're doing um, with leaders a- around the country is is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you told me a story when we were talking earlier about a, a, someone that you'd worked with that said this EOS thing, mm-hmm. this EOS system thing mm-hmm. that we talked about mm-hmm. has really taken everything you've talked about. Mm-hmm. and given me a framework to actually do it. Tell yeah. that story a yeah, little yeah. bit and then walk us through what it is you're working on that really helps bring culture to day-to-day living and thriving within an organization. Okay, so so culture is is really the, the summation of your, your attitudes, your behaviors, the, the work environment that you create, my experiences that I've had in my past, I bring that to work. 
And the, the summation of all that stuff is the culture. And so many times people don't realize you can intentionally create the culture that you want. And they often, because they don't understand culture, they just say, well, I get what I get. But, but, but that's not the case. So one of the clients that I had, he hired me to work with building their team and helping them learn some leadership principles. So I was working with them for about a year and they love the material, but there's a difference between leadership development and having an operational system that drives your culture. And so I was the guy fairly new in my career. I was providing great leadership development stuff, but, um, Events challenge people. Process changes people. So I was providing content that developed these leaders. It, it was challenging them, but I didn't have a system to change them. And when I was working with Bob Chapman at the Barry Waymiller University, they had a program, and I learned that they said 75% of culture is a direct result of your systems in the organization. It's not just a person that is your culture and sets that tone. That's really important, but your systems are setting more of a tone than you realize. So say that say that stat one more time. If you if you need to hear that again, seventy five percent. Seventy five percent of your culture is a direct result of the systems that you have in place and the way you make people feel because of the way your processes are. The way it's the human energy. How you manage the human energy matters. Mm -hmm. And so EOS, uh, Gino Wickman is one of my heroes. He's the founder of a book called Traction. He he created and is the owner of EOS Worldwide. And EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating Systems. And so one of my clients that I'd been working with, he came up to me one day and he said, Justin, he goes, this, he goes, your passion for legacy and your passion for developing leaders, he goes, you, you're what inspired us to really care about this culture stuff. He goes, uh, but I found another guy and he's shown me this EOS methodology. He goes, so you're, what you've done is you've helped us see what it can be this guy helped me actually accomplish it in my company. And it, it hit me as a new guy in this leadership space that I'm like, I never want to hear another client tell me, I love your heart and what you did, you, you inspired me, but this guy's helping me do it. And that's when I started looking at the book called Traction by Gino Wickman. And this whole thing about traction is what we see in our mind, what we want our company to be, the vision that we have, so many leaders don't know how to bring their vision down to reality in the way they operate their company. And so that's what EOS does. It, it helps you do three things, vision, traction, and healthy. Vision from the standpoint of it helps everybody see where we're going to go with this company and how we're going to get there. Traction from the standpoint of increased discipline, increased focus, increased accountability, and healthy from the standpoint of more functional, dynamic, united teams, more fun, less stress. Stress is good, but the conflict, the negative stress kills culture. And so we can create a culture of high trust and high accountability when you have the right systems in place. So this is an entrepreneurial operating system. 
That's awesome. And I think I, I just want to reiterate this because I think a lot of organizations and a lot of leaders spend a lot of time, money, energy and mm-hmm. doing, you know, bringing in speakers or doing training. Right. And all of these things are great. But then you beat your head against the wall and say, we just had a training on yeah. right D- diversity or inclusion or multiculturalism or, you know, um, our, our new tax system even. I mean, it can be anything. Right. right. But if our if our system is not in place to support the the training on a day-to-day ongoing basis where it literally gets integrated into the fabric of how the company operates, then it doesn't have the transformation that we intended it to have. Yeah. It doesn't, it also doesn't have the replicability because if you're a passionate visionary leader, you, it only goes so far in the organization. That's what good to great talks about with Jim Collins. He's like, most of the best companies that went from good to great, it wasn't this, you know, uh, crazy, dynamic, high-end personality. It was the methodical, committed, level five leaders that had extreme humility and fierce resolve to help that team win. And they were the ones that put in systems. And that, again, I, I just think our, we so often see very um, extroverted or high energy people as leaders. And I think a lot of people get that thought of, well, I can never do that, right? Or our, yeah. I am not like that. So our culture is not going to be like that. Right. But the reality of it is excellence is consistent application of discipline mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. And, and that doesn't necessarily, need, it doesn't need a high energy, vibrant person leading the charge. It needs great systems to be replicable yeah. at the individual level. And then as you grow right at the organizational level, so that's when we're talking about an operational system, it's literally Mm -hmm. a system that allows everything within your organization, your people, your processes, your, your data, all these things Mm -hmm. to operate consistently. So, so walk us through a little bit more about what that looks like, and maybe even start with the vision piece that Mm -hmm. we talked about. Um, Because when we talked last episode, we were looking at the power of vision and and what visioneering is and and what that means and looks like um, at the individual level for the leader, mm-hmm. but also then how that's conve- conveyed to the people within an organization. So how do you approach vision as a, as a mechanism for driving culture? So, so, you know, vision, everything rises and falls on, from a company standpoint is do people see your vision? You as a business owner, you have to have this understanding of what your vision is, but for everyone to grab it, you have to be able to articulate that to them. And so what EOS does is we have these, the six key components that we, we want you to look at your business through the lens of these six key components. That first component is the vision component. And we basically say you got to answer eight questions. And it's really simple. We're, we're kind of uh, no, no theory. We just want the most practical, real result stuff that you need to do to get where you need to go. And so the eight questions are really simple. What are your core values? What is your core focus? Core focus is really two things. What's your purpose, cause, or passion? As Simon Sinek would say, what's your why? Okay. And then what's your niche? Meaning what's your, what is it that you do? Orville Redenbacher, popcorn. That's what they do, right? So what is the purpose, cause, and passion? And then what's that niche? That's the core focus. Okay. And then what's your 10-year target? Whether it's five years or 30 years, the big, hairy, audacious goal in Jim Collins' term is where do you want to be down the road? Give me one sentence that encapsulates this is a picture. And then what's our marketing strategy? So the, the internal document is the core focus. The external document, how are you going to get customers? 
How are you going to market your three uniques? What separates you from the rest of the competition? And then what's your core target market? Who is the list of people you need to beat that drum with? Good. So within that marketing plan, you've got your three uniques, your, your distinguishing competitive We have the target advantage. market, the list. Okay. Then you have your three uniques, what separates you. And then we have the, a proven process because sometimes you don't know how to show people. You're just telling them what you do and what your uniques are. But if you can show them the path you're going to take them on, they can say, oh my gosh, I've been looking for this product or this, this for this system. And then do you have a guarantee? So that's just a marketing strategy. Okay. But you got to answer that question so everybody in your company knows, hey, this is how we sell. This is how we market our product. This is our three uniques. And, and this, I always find this is a good measure too, is if you've got an employee and they're on an airplane sitting next to somebody yeah. and they ask, what do you do? If that, if they had each of those elements in that marketing strategy, right. you could probably drive your business from right. all of your people because they very clearly got to make it simple. Yep. Know how to articulate that to yeah. a third party, yeah. you know, and that's, that's awesome. So, so that's four of the eight questions, core values, core focus, 10 year target marketing strategy. The fifth is what's your three year picture? 36 months from now, what does your company look like? What are some bullets? How many employees? Uh, how many facilities? What, what, what's in the facility? Is it a new building? Just give people a picture of where you want to be in 36 months because a picture is worth a thousand words. And then once you get that three-year picture clear, we move down to kind of a traction piece where what's the one-year plan? Three to seven goals that you're saying, I need to achieve this in the next 12 months to get me one third of the way to that three-year picture. And then the next question, the seventh question is, what are your rocks? This comes from the Rockefeller habits. This comes from Stephen Covey. Um, a rock is a 90-day strategic priority. If you remember that, that jar, you have rocks, gravel, sand, yep. and water. Well, spend time getting your rocks in first, mm -hmm. then all the other stuff will fall into place. So we're just saying in the next 90 days, what are the company's rocks that you are committing to from a, a resource and, and time priority? And then the last question is, what's your issues list? Okay. You know, if you're an alcoholic, how are you going to solve your alcoholism? You got to first admit that you're an alcoholic. You got to get that issue listed so your team knows, okay, we have issues. Every team I've ever worked with has issues. But a lot of teams, they don't talk about their issues. It's the 500-pound gorilla in the room. And so if you have issues, you can't reach your vision because the issues just cloud it out. Yeah, and I think that, you know, for those out there that are like, oh, we don't really want to put our issues on the table, though, because we'd never leave the room. <laughs> we had too many. Um, and so that that's, that's creates a lot of fear, I think, in mm -hmm. teams' mind. But here's the reality. What's on the table and in the light can get managed organized, strategized, and then executed. But what stays off the table in the dark can get manipulated and it creates chaos. At Cancer. The of, yep. At Issues. the individual level and yes. at the team level. Yes. And so again, if we go back to the brain science side of this, the brain likes order. It likes logic. And right. so even if issues are on the table, that doesn't scare your brain because it can then organize it. Mm -hmm. But what's out there and not on the table, that's what scares it. And that's when you start creating all sense of uh, other relation dynamic issues yeah. on yeah. teams yeah. that often hinder the ability to strategically go after your goals. So and, I, I love that piece. And where there's not vision, people cast off restraint. If you want Olympic athletes versus casual athletes, yeah. you restrain your time you restrain your time because you're passionate about achieving something when you're, an Olympic, when you're an Olympic athlete. When you're not an Olympic athlete, anything goes. You want to play ping pong today, whatever. You know what I mean? And so we, we have to answer the eight questions. 
and we've got to share them with everyone. So if you have a leadership team, you've got to answer the eight questions, core values, core focus, 10-year target, marketing strategy, three-year picture, one-year plan, rocks, and your issues list. We've got to be clear as a leadership team because if we're not clear, if we all are looking at the, the, the picture differently, we can't lead our organization with one voice. So vision starts at the top. The leadership team has to be clear. Then you share it with everyone. Those eight questions you should share with your whole team. Don't freak out leaders out there listening. What? We have to tell them everything? What the plan is? Why is that part important, Justin? If you want your people to buy into your vision and if you want them to know how they fit in that vision, there was a Harris Poll study done and it basically said one out of three people didn't know what their role was in helping achieve the vision. One out of five didn't care and half of them didn't didn't um, didn't see the connect the dots between the vision and what they do on a daily basis. And so if you want people to run with you, give them a picture of where you're going to take them. Absolutely. And the, the highest driver of turnover in any organization is direct relationship with your boss yeah. and lack of role clarity. That's and right. a huge part of role clarity is knowing how your role fits into the overall vision of a company, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this vision piece, it pairs with the mindset principle that we talked about this week in terms of the power of the mind, right? And understanding right. when we get that clear vision and mental rehearsal, you know, if you've given your people a very clear vision of what the organization is after, now they can start to replicate in their mind how their role helps facilitate and create that vibrant picture and they can they can rehearse what that sales pitch looks like or or what their work on a daily on the line even in a manufacturing plant looks mm -hmm. like to help mm -hmm. drive their engagement and their in their productivity and therefore our bottom line right so we're yeah. starting to see how these elements are all connected yeah awesome where do we go from there so bottom line I, I want to just take you through uh EOS, are, we have this EOS model, and we basically are saying there's six key components you have to get really strong at for you to have that flywheel take off in your company to really build the kind of culture that you want. So the first component was the vision component. The second component is the people component. Everybody talks about, I want my A players, and I, you know, all, yeah, we want the A players, but you need to define what does it mean for you to have an A player? which that comes back to the first question in the vision component. What are your core values? So you got to have the right people in the right seats. We've heard that from Jim Collins, get the right people on the bus, but we make it really practical from the standpoint of right people means they share your values. Do not hire someone, do not promote someone that doesn't share your values. So we literally teach a methodology to help you people analyze your entire organization based on do they share your values? And you literally hire, fire, promote, and reward based on values. So first of all, the people component is about right people. The second piece is right seat. Mm -hmm. And this is that role clarity you were talking about. We, we help you create an accountability chart. Awesome. Not an organizational chart, an accountability chart where each role has, each function in the organization, each seat has five major roles. And when you have that, all of a sudden you can start to articulate, does this person get it? Does this person want that role? Does this person have the capacity, the skill, the mental, the emotional, the relational capacity to do that job well? All of a sudden that person realizes, hey, I have this unique ability 
to deliver the results that this company needs. I share their values, I understand my role, and I see where they want to take this company. I'm in. Sign me up. Any of you listening out there, you're probably saying, oh my God, I wish I had that in my organization, right? And if you're a leader, you can have that in your organization if you're intentional about creating a system that allows that to happen. And again, that's where that intersection of people flourishing and yeah. business flourishing yeah. starts to happen. Yeah. That's awesome, Justin. So that's the second key component in the EOS model. The third key component is the data component. So the data, we're simply saying we have to remove all the subjective, emotional, entrepreneurial intuition. Data never lies. So we need you to create a scorecard of the most important metrics that drive the success of your organization. So we help you create a scorecard, but eventually the whole organization will have each department will have its own scorecard. What I mean by scorecard is these are leading activity numbers. So the lagging activity is money in the bank. Yep. That's not a good indicator of what's going to happen in the future. You have to have leading activity indicators that you're looking at on a regular basis. So the data component helps all of the people that are in the right seats, that share your values, that are running towards that vision. They can look and say, look at this data. The scorecard is telling us we're winning. Would you ever go to a Final Four basketball game if they didn't have a time clock and a scoreboard? No. No freaking way. Right. I go to games because I want my team to win. People show up to work, and so often the reason that they're not that jacked up is because nobody's keeping score. They don't know if they're winning or losing. 80% of people go home from work every day feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled because of our lack of leadership of giving them a scoreboard, giving them a vision, sharing these values with them. Absolutely. And equipping them with the knowledge, skills, and abilities right. to do the job in a system that can help facilitate that actually happening. Yeah. And I love, you know, just to define leading and lagging indicators for those of you who are not, might not be aware, right? A leading indicator is, a, is an early indicator that you're on the right track, basically, and it's data or numbers or experiences that you see that, hey, if this is happening, we know what's coming next, right? And a lagging indicator are things that follow after the event to say, oh, we lost money, right? Yeah. So an example would be when I was a financial advisor at 23, this firm told me, Justin, what you have to do is make 25 contacts a day. And I'm like, okay, I can go knock on doors. So I knocked on doors, made 25 contacts a day. And they said, what's going to happen is if you do that well, you'll end up opening about 10 accounts a month. So that was the, the next indicator. So if I did 25 a day, I would average maybe 10 accounts a month. And they said, within a handful of years, you'll be in the top 10% of income earners in your region. I said, sign me up for that, right? right? The lagging indicator was the top 10% income earners in the region. The leading indicator was the activity of making 25 contacts a day. I did that for two years straight, and I focused on the 25 contacts. I didn't focus on, did I get the accounts opened? I focused on the 25 contacts a day. That leading indicator allowed me to open 20 accounts a month for two years straight. They offered me limited partnership good on that firm for giving me a leading indicator to know if I was winning or losing every single day. Awesome example. So wherever you are in your organization, and if your boss isn't getting it for you, find it yourself. Give right. yourself a scorecard. Find what is my leading indicators? What do I need to be doing every day to be successful at what, I, what I'm trying to accomplish, right? And, and that's the way to help generate energy, generate focus, et cetera. I did not need any rah-rah speech given to me because every day that metric... I want to win. We wake up. Nobody wakes up hoping they would suck today. 
we wake up wanting to win. <laughs> and if we don't have a scoreboard, it's hard to feel like we're making traction. So when they told me 25 a day at five o'clock, if I was at 19, guess what I was doing? Hustling. Calling my wife. Hey, sweetie, I love you. I'll be home at 630 because I got seven more, six more contacts to make because I'm not leaving today without winning. It's easy to do that in a sales environment, but you can do it in any environment. If you're an engineer, there's a scorecard out there for you. If you're, if you're a baker, there's a scorecard out. You have to find what are the leading activities that you have to do to keep score of, to measure, to know if you're winning, because down the road, those 25 door knocks turned into accounts. Absolutely. And the other thing about this, right, is that they are within your control. So it's not, Absolutely. whoa, my boss, this, or the weather, that, or any of these other elements. These are, these leading indicators should be within your control, right? And then that way it drives a sense of ownership, engagement, passion, energy, personal responsibility, accountability. Bosses out there are like, oh, I want that, right? People in work environments, like you want control. I mean, yes. we're designed to, yes. to want that in, in how we function. And so this is one mechanism to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are the three, the first three components. So if you can imagine now, you've got this environment where everybody sees where you want to go and how you want to get there. The vision component is complete. The second component is the people component. You have all the right people. They share your values. They understand their role in the organization. They have five major roles with their seat in your company. And then they have all this data and the data doesn't lie. And you're looking at that data every week. What happens is you've created this transparent lucid, open, honest environment where nobody can hide. I have a client right now. He's the entrepreneurial leader. He owns the company. And I said, how you doing? He's been six months into this process. He said, Justin, it's been the toughest year of my life. I'm like, what? What? You? I don't like to hear that with right. my clients. You know, <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, no, no. He goes, it's been the best year. He goes, I feel like I'm running through my office naked because all of my issues are on the table because we are so transparent. He goes, I love it. He goes, my team has needed this kind of clarity, this kind of process for 20 years. He goes, we have it now. He goes, I just didn't realize. He goes, I'm a student of leadership. Mm. He goes, but we didn't have the processes in place that helped everybody else become the leader that they could be. You want to talk about culture? This guy had the right heart. He's read all the right books, but he didn't have a process that brought health to his team. And he said, this has been awesome. That's awesome. What happens when you have these first three components is now what you can spot a mile away are all the issues. Yep. The issues component is really about two things. Number one, get the issues on a list. Write them down. Don't leave them in your head because when they're left swept under the rug, that white elephant in the room never gets talked about. And often grows. <laughs> and it will grow. The 500-pound gorilla will make more 500-pound gorillas. <laughs> yep. So we have to identify the issues. And then what we do is we, we teach people a process of, of it's the issue-solving track. Identify the root of the issue, discuss it, and then solve it. Most teams that I've worked with, they're awesome at just discussing the issues. They Often discuss in unhealthy ways. <laughs> the crap out of the issues. They feel good about, they won the argument about the issue, but they never solve it. They never get to the root of it. So one of the key components is you have to have an issues list and you got to know how to solve them and you got to solve them weekly because I don't know about you, but I see problems that pop up in my organization every week and they never stop. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And I think that that, you know, is having the courage as the leader to mm-hmm. put those issues on the table. And I wanted, I wanted to go back to, to this, this element of hiring and managing your people based mm-hmm. on the values of an organization, because mm-hmm. this is where, um, if you don't have the right people in the right seats with the right values, discussing problem solving and actually dealing with issues becomes nearly impossible. Right. Oh my goodness. And so I think that in, in a lot of companies or organizations thinks, well, how do, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally have to build into your performance management system, how you rate people, like Justin said, how you, how you hire, how you fire, how you promote, how you demote with your core values and the behaviors that support those values as how you're tracking your people. Right. Yeah. Th- this, there's so much stuff around, uh, performance, uh, how do you manage your people, talent selection, all that kind of stuff. We, we really just try to dumb it down and we talk about two things. Right people means do they share your values and we give you a tool called the people analyzer and it, it's very simple. You have three ratings to give that person for each value that you have. A plus means they, they live this value most of the time. A plus minus says some of the time they do, some of the time they don't. And a minus means this person doesn't live this value most of the time. And when you put a metric to a very intangible thing like values, it it allows you to take the values off the wall and now put it into the hearts of your people because you literally mean business when you say, hey, we hire, fire, reward, and promote based on these values, and here's your score. Yep. And every year I'm letting you see, and we what we do is we set a bar. There's an expectation if you're going to be a Division One football player there's an expectation of how good you have to be. Right. What we as leaders in businesses, we have a really hard time of knowing how to set a bar. How do you how do you set a bar for culture? Well, you talk about it. You actually give them a score. Plus, so the bar for us is if you have five values, for example, if you have five values, the bar is three pluses and two plus minuses. If you that's the minimum acceptable standard. And so for every person you lead, just do this. Every person you lead that's on your team, get your five values or whatever they are, do a little chart, and then give them a score, plus, plus, minus, or minus. And that will really quickly help you get to the root of where these issues might lie. Because when people don't share your values, they create more issues. Exactly. And then the other piece is, do they get it? So looking at their skills, looking at their abilities, looking at their time, you ask yourself this question, GWC, do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity to do it? So now I can assess my team member with their values and with their skills, with the seat that I put them in, the role that I'm looking to hire, really quickly I can give a yes or a no on the GWC and I can give a plus or a plus minus or a minus on the values and all of a sudden I have great clarity to know this person fits or what, what happens if they don't share your values, but they totally can do the performance side? Over time, they're going to kill your culture. And if you don't make a move, that person is going to destroy everything you've done to this point to try and build this amazing culture. Sometimes you're going to have someone, they share your values, but they don't get the job. They don't know how to perform. And unless you want to be a nonprofit, you know, they just want to hire people that are nice. You got to make a people move and put them in a seat where they do get it and they do want it and they do have the capacity to do it. 
That's awesome. That is, that's powerful. And, and I brought that up because I think, again, we're, you will race through those first three pieces and then let, we'll get to the issues piece and then we'll wonder why we can't solve the problems. Because again, this is a, this is a process guys and process is one step at a time, right? Or phases at a time. And then an iteration of that constantly. Yeah. Um, but we have to get each of these pieces right so that when we get to the next piece, there's, it's in place to actually be able to activate and leverage that component of the system. And where do you think all the issues primarily come from? Your people. The people. <laughs> and they're, the all, they're your biggest asset. And if you don't manage them right, they can cause some of the biggest problems. And that's why Simon Sinek and Bob Chapman are saying 80%, 85% of the workforce is unsatisfied and unfulfilled with the, with the work they do when they go home every night. That's our fault. We're not casting vision. We're not holding people to a standard of values to make sure that they do fit. And it doesn't matter if you don't share the exact same values that I have. There's another company for you. Like there's got to be a team out there that you will thrive on. But because I I'm going to own my culture, then I'm going to own these values. They've got to be real to me first. Absolutely. I love that. All right, keep going. Oh, man, if you don't have a pen and paper out by now, you for sure need to get one because this is powerful stuff. Or you can just get that book, Traction, that Gina Wickman wrote. You can read that book. It has everything that we're talking about. This is not my material, but I, I signed up for this because I realized in my own life, I was a guy that didn't have process. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't have that naturally instinctively inside of me. I knew I had to get it from the outside. And as soon as that client told me, you know, you helped us have the passion and you gave us some leadership principles, but EOS helped me actually do it in my company. That's when I decided I am going to, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be the guy that helps people follow a process. Cause that's helping my life. It's helping right. my business. So that the fifth component is the process component. And all we're saying here is every company has six to 12 core processes that define what they do. If you don't identify those processes, if you don't document those processes, think of a doctor, even a pilot, they have a checklist. Mm -hmm. Now they have a checklist, not because they're stupid. They have a checklist because it is so vitally important. They follow that checklist before the plane takes off because too many lives are at stake. Well, we don't have that urgency as entrepreneurs. We don't understand that if you give your people a checklist, the odds of failure are reduced. The odds of lots of errors are reduced when you give them a checklist. So we simply say the process component says document all of your core processes, not from an ISO 9000 standpoint, Mm -hmm. more from a standpoint of the top 20% is going to produce 80% of the result. So as an entrepreneur, as a small leadership team, you need to make sure what are our core processes? Do we have them documented, visually illustrated so that our team can follow it? And eventually what you'll have is you'll have the ABC way. If it's your company, you have all your core process documented, you can train easier, you can cross train easier, there's fewer mistakes, it's more fun to do it, you check it off, you get it done. Can you imagine if every single one of your team members knew the top 20% of every step in the company, it, it, it reduces stress. Those entrepreneurs that have it all up in their head, you get it out of your head, get it on a sheet of paper. That's what 80% strong in the process component looks like. 
That's awesome. Right. And again, it's in your head. We got to get it out on paper in a consumable way and in a procedural way. And again, that helps everybody generate energy and traction to your word, think, right? Yeah. Towards think about Chick-fil-A. Think about Chick-fil-A. Think about anybody that makes something every single day. Chick-fil-A has what, 18 or 16 to 25 year olds working in the store. And I can go to Texas, I can go to Georgia, I can go to here in Mishawaka, and I can eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it's all kinds of different people, but the sandwich tastes the same every time because they have a documented process. This is how we do it. And it might be every six months that's a different person making the sandwich. Every three months, it's still the same because the process is followed to a T. Yeah, fast food restaurants. I mean, I was raised in the McDonald's franchise business. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the corporate McDonald's, I mean, it is fascinating. Everything. I mean, waste management is there's a documented process. Cleanliness, documented process. How to make a burger, documented process. How to do fries, how to salt the fries. Yeah. There's a process for right. salting the fries. Right. It's a triple M. You know, and I learned that when I was seven years old. And I don't forget it because it's a visual. Right. And so, you know, and then you wonder, well, huh, there's McDonald's everywhere. Well, they're replicable, you know, See, or Chick-fil-A's. Yeah. and. It, and you're talking about culture in, in culture, people want to do it right. And mm -hmm. when you make it easy for mm. people to do it right, they don't have to stress. They just follow your recipe of your proven process. And all of a sudden you have this chemistry where people, they're the right people. They see your vision. They're looking at the right data. They're removing the issues and they're all following these processes again 75% of culture is because of the system that you've created or not created. <laughs> Amen. That's your culture. Yep. So if you're having people problems, if you're having culture problems, I just want to tell you, it's your fault. It's, <laughs> it's your fault. And you're the, you can change it and you can say, I, I'm the hero in the story because I decided to be the turtle that wins the race. Process isn't sexy. Yep. Some of this stuff, data isn't sexy, but but who wins the race in the tortoise and the hare? The tortoise. The tortoise wins because the tortoise is methodical. And I need, I'm trying to fall in love with methodical because that's the people. Those are the people that win. Those are the companies that win. And a lot of times business teams, they're reactionary mm -hmm. versus proactive, methodic, methodical plotters. That's what we need. That's what wins games. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we want to talk about, well, the, this is like the soft skills of business. <laughs> well, you've got your hardware, right? But what runs the computer? The software. That's right. And these aren't soft issues. These are these are the elements that allow everything else to function and process is it. Um, there's a cool paper called The Mundaity of Excellence mm. and how excellence, it's, it's mundane and it's yeah. the mundane over and over and over again. And they, and they did this study actually on Olympic swimmers mm. and how they trained, right. And how they built these habits, you know, and, and it was just laps and laps and laps and then just practicing the flip yeah. and then just within yes. the flip practicing the push off the wall from the flip. That's right. Right. And it's just breaking it down to figure out what is my process as I approach the wall and just over and over and over again. So, but, but by the time you're actually racing, it's, it's in how you function, right? Culture is the living and breathing fabric yeah. of your organization. It's not something that you just tack on here and there, right. values we put on the wall. Right. It's literally the, the breath 
of your organization. And when you do this intentionally, the other thing is this isn't as hard as it needs to be, you know, and it is your fault if you're the leader, but we want to say, Hey, we get it. The reality of it is we're off. We're not taught these things, you know, right. and, and you don't know how to manage people because people are crazy and every person's different. And so how are we supposed to organize them? You organize them through the system. And That's then right. you put the right people in that system. Oh, I just had that vision of uh, like in Finding Nemo where the little turtles are all in the, like in the. <laughs> yeah, in uh, that, oh, uh, what's, what's it called? called? We're the, obviously not ocean people. Yeah. The, t- <laughs> the tide, it's not the tide. It's some, yeah, stream. It's some stream. Yeah, They're so in- that, you all know <laughs> what we're talking about here. Okay. <laughs> So right when you're in that though, everybody's swimming, they're circling around together and they're all going towards the same location. And, and this is, that's really what systems allow for your people to get caught up right in this ongoing mission or track journey toward the mission. My dad, uh, one, he told Seth and I, when I was 10 years old, I think I was eight or maybe I was nine. He said, you guys can accomplish anything you want. You pick a sport. I'll help you get there. And my dad was a soccer player. We both picked basketball. So my dad studied basketball, brought in a a varsity coach to teach us how to shoot. And I remember my dad giving me an illustration. So I was practicing shoveling the snow off the drive when I was 10 years old, getting our 300 shots in, right? And, And my dad says, Justin, on your shoulder is a little guy and he has the perfect form. He goes, every time you shoot the ball, I want you to imagine and and reflect on the guy on your shoulder that's shooting the perfect shot, who has his feet pointed the right direction, his shoulders square, has his elbow the right way. I saw the perfect shot in my mind. He said, in every shot you shoot, you need to evaluate, did you give it a perfect form? And so it was never natural in the beginning. It was awkward and very difficult. And I did it a thousand times, a thousand times. I mean, it was over and over and over and over. And when I was in high school, I was one of the best three-point shooters in the area. And everybody said, Justin, you have such natural ability. <laughs> Bull crap. Bull crap. You're like, you were not it, in the snow. It was the intentional pursuit <laughs> yeah. of that perfect form, that perfect process. So when I was in a clutch game, I could deliver the result. And it was natural because I had beat my body, turned it into a shooting machine for years. And in the moment of the game, when it counted, I was able to deliver. We need to do that for corporate America. Absolutely. And and listen, what did you just talk about? The mindset principle that we have coupled right. with this, which is mental rehearsal. That's right. When you can see it right and you rep it in your mind, and then you can evaluate, what do I need to adjust? What do I need to do better? Hey, that didn't go so well last time, so let me mentally rehearse doing it right, right. the next time. Now we're prepping and engaging because the brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined, right? Yeah. And so every time we do the perfect, mental rep, right. it's sending the exact same neurological signal through our bodies and building talent at the neurological level. Yeah. And so when we couple this great vision, mission, values, people, processes, you know, dealing with our issues, and then we rep it in our mind of having these types of conversations and, and delivering your best. Now, all of a sudden we're creating individuals and organizations that are positioned to deliver excellence on a consistent basis. So one of my key words and one of my passions is I want to remind move habitual mediocrity from the workplace no, I love it. because habitual mediocrity creates environments that do not inspire people. And so the way you create habitual mediocrity is you do things at a low bar. Mm. 
The way you create habitual awesomeness is you raise the bar. I'm getting adrenaline rushes. <laughs> and, and you do the right thing methodically over and over and over. But you, if you want to bring your whole team along, you've got to follow an operational system. You've got to become methodical. And the last component of the six key components is the traction component. Mm. The traction component is really about two things. Number one, it's it's creating that 90-day world for everybody on your team so they individually have their own rock, that 90-day priority that they have to achieve every 90 days. So I don't care if you have 10 employees, 100 employees, 200 employees. Can you imagine 200 employees, each one of them having a rock, a 90-day strategic priority to help you achieve the vision of your company, following your processes every 90 days, that, that's 200 steps towards your vision every 90 days. That's powerful. So, that's powerful. so gaining traction is getting everybody focused on that. And then the second piece is what we call meeting pulse. Meeting pulse is you have to meet on a regular basis. If, if you know, I married my wife 22 years ago, I told her I loved her on the day I married her and I haven't told her since. Not. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, if, if you want to have a great team, you got to tell them that they're winning or losing on a regular basis. You have to talk about the issues on a weekly basis. So the meeting pulse says we need to have an effective use of our time in a meeting so that we're solving our company's problems. So we simply say there's a specific agenda. There's a specific time frame. It's 90 minutes. You start on time, you end on time, and you cover specific things. Mm -hmm. you, you cover the three most important things in your organization, your scorecard metrics, the data. Okay. You cover your rocks, the 90-day priorities, and your reporting. All you're doing is reporting on track or off track. Anything that's off track on your scorecard, you have to drop that down to that I that IDS section, that identify, discuss, and solve, the issues list. Okay. You got to have our issues list. So the scorecard, the rock review, and then your customer employee headlines. Your most important people are your customers and your employees. What's going on between those two people groups? You share what's happening in a five-minute period. So five minutes for rock review, five minutes for scorecard, five minutes for the people headline, and then you have some accountability. Last week we had a meeting. You said you were going to do this. Did you do it? So all these to-dos that we talked about last week. Actually get addressed. They get, did, it goes from either to-do to to-done. We want it done. And so we have some accountability in that meeting. And then the next piece is 60 minutes dedicated to the IDS, the issue solving track. So every week your team is coming together in this open, honest, transparent environment, comfortable to bring the issues to the table. And now you get to solve them. You spend 60 minutes solving the most important issues in your organization every single week. Can you imagine a company free of issues, a company full of people that are the right people, they're in the right seats, they're looking at the right data, and everybody has a process, they're following it to a T, and they're all moving in the direction of achieving that vision? And and all of that happens because you as a leader have decided to become intentional and to leverage an operational system. That's EOS. But there's a lot of operating systems out there. All I'm saying is, are you being intentional right. with the culture that you're trying to create? Because you have a culture. It just depends on whether you're intentional or not. Absolutely. And so just finish that then with the thought of then how, how, why is culture from your perspective so important then in organizations? 
Um, I don't know who said this, but culture eats strategy for lunch. <laughs> you, you can have goals, you can have performance numbers, but if you don't have a handle on that culture, culture's going to win every time. Habits, behaviors, attitudes, they trump a strategic plan 10 times over. So if you want to achieve your vision, and if you really want to create an environment where people are thriving, then you have to really truly get serious about building a culture where people can thrive. Because this doesn't happen by accident. John Maxwell said, everything great is uphill. Mm -hmm. Culture is an uphill decision. You don't just walk across a company that has an awesome dynamic culture. It takes work, just like a marriage. Culture matters in my home. It matters in my team, my sports team. It matters in my company because I'm going to be intentional with the the way we handle each other and the kind of direction that we set. Absolutely. I love that. And I think, you know, it's fascinating too, to just see uh, across the board how, you know, this is, there's organizations that are hiring like chief culture officers, right? Because it is such an important component and there needs to be somebody dedicated to making sure that everything that we're doing is in alignment with that culture and that there's an intentionality to how we're going about having that be integrated into how we function. Um, and so I, they're, um, in the Catholic education and now it's moving into healthcare, they're calling them um, mission integration officers. Mm -hmm. And so it's the person responsible for integrating the mission into every aspect of that organization and functioning. And so again, you know, Justin said EOS is one of these systems, but whatever you choose, just choose to understand that a lot of the problems you're having are probably due to the system that you probably don't have in place. That's right. Um, and we would really challenge you to just sort of think that, think through that a little bit more in terms of how do you intentionally create a system that is going to help you achieve your competitive advantage and, right. and your mission as a company um, with the people and the processes that, that you have in place. You know, I just want to say this. There's a lot of um, fads. There's a lot of fads around... Uh, chief people mover. I mean, all these types of things. At the end of the day, um, Bob Chapman's culture is world-class because Bob Chapman, to his core, is living out his vision, and he's the champion. He could have hired a, a, a cultural engagement person, and that person would not have been empowered unless Bob Chapman empowers him. The leader Everything rises and falls on the leader. The influence of that leader, the buy-in and the decision to make the investment to care about people comes from the leader, comes from the executive team. You can't outsource caring. Yes. You can't outsource an operational system. You need to put it in you and you need to own it because more is caught than taught. And so from that perspective, culture and vision starts with the leader deciding I'm going to get clarity for me and I'm going to bring clarity for my team. Absolutely. And I think that that couples well, right? So you might have a mission integration officer or a culture person, right? To help you be a very intentional and strategic person monitoring that. Absolutely. But as we are hitting over and over and over again throughout season three of building championship mindsets, the podcast, right? It's about leading in first what and and what do each of these pillars of leadership mean for you first as a leader right and so for culture it starts with you it starts with the leader you've got to lead that culture in first right. and then we lead it out to everybody else to your point Absolutely. of it's it more is caught than taught 
right? Yeah. So that tees us up perfectly then, Justin, to, to wrap us up with these two questions, or this one question applied in two different ways. Right. One, what does leading to win, right? So the title of season three of our podcast is leading to win. What does that mean for you as an individual, mm-hmm. as you think about that inwardly? And then what does leading to win mean as you think about it outwardly? So for, for me, I want to, I have a faith. And so I'm personally running every single day. I'm running my race in such a way as to win the prize. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I love it. So from that vision that I have, I am creating a team, Entree Legacy Group, and we are on a mission to develop leaders, inspire teams, and build legacy. And, and that what it means is I am not going to waver I'm not going to fall in love with shiny object things that pull me off track because so many times leaders get off track of what they, in their heart, what they want. And so leading within says, I'm going to decide what I want. I'm picking that legacy now and I'm going to manage that decision for the rest of my life. And from leading out, it's the same thing. I'm going to decide what are we going to be known for? What is our passion? What is our focus? And we're never going to let go of it because we're going to put in the systems and the processes that allow our people to thrive and help us all together, united, run in such a way as to win that prize. Whether it's a prize for the kind of culture you want, whether it's a charitable gift, whatever, but we're going to be in agreement that we're going to be intentional with our moments. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Moss, thank you so much for your time. This was powerful, powerful beyond measure. And I know that a ton of people are going to leave thinking a little bit differently about Mm. their role as a leader and the critical, important nature of culture uh, for their own lives and and for those that they lead. Amber, I want to thank you because this whole mindset thing, we need more people championing this mindset thing because we are habitually mediocre in the United States. I feel that way 100%. And if you, the work that you're doing is shaping our minds and helping us become more intentional about what's possible. And we can get what we want if we shape our mind that then is going to allow us to shape our actions. And so I just want to thank you. You're, you're a hero of mine. That's why I wanted you a part of my event. You have this DNA, and I want to replicate that all across this country. So if you're listening to Amber, listen to the mindset because everything starts in your mind. And if you can't think it, you can't do it. And that's what I love about what you're doing. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate that. Any final thoughts or ways that people can get in touch with you or anything you want to promote or shout out right JustinMost.com. Okay, awesome. Check out check out his work. He's doing a lot of awesome things. And we just really appreciate your time. Love doing life it's been with fun. you. Love changing lives together. That's and right. uh, let's just keep on it. So thank you very much. And we uh, will see you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you again, Justin. That was incredible insights and a, just a depth of, of applicable knowledge that we can use to lead to win better. And if there is anything that we can do from you, please do not hesitate to reach out again. You can find us on our website at www.selkingperformance.com. Uh, you can reach out directly to me at amber at selkingperformance.com. I would love to, to come speak with you. Uh, 
about what it would look like to do keynote addresses in your organizations, develop some ongoing mindset or leadership training tailored to your company, and even pair some of your leaders in your organization with our performance coaches to come along on that one-on-one journey and and really help navigate the challenges of leadership that, that your team is facing in your organization. So please don't hesitate to reach out, share your stories with us, share your struggles with us, and let's figure out how we can partner together to build strong mindsets and build powerful systems through great leadership to really unleash performance excellence in your individuals and in your organization. And from the locker room to the boardroom, again, I just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win. Brightview Medical is a patient-oriented medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC-level labs, and state-of-the-art technology in one building providing a one-stop patient-centered environment, which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brightview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it. 